Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. I want to talk before I get into my message about something really, really important and just let you know that as your pastors, we unapologetically hold the traditional biblical standpoint on the sanctity of life and thus the issue of abortion. And we are celebrating what happened last week. Glory to God. That was a bill that's been around for almost 50 years that essentially made possible the taking of the lives of over 63 million babies in the last 50 years. Yes, the issue is sensitive. Yes, there are people in this room who have had abortions. Yes, you and I know people and have friends that face real, real, real difficulties and problems. And we do so with compassion. We do so with compassion. And we know that the kingdom of God can't be legislated through earthly governments. That's not the goal, to have a nation that maybe as nice as it sounds as a Christian, that it's legalized Christianity. Everybody does this because it's what we do as a nation. That can be a cultural version of Christianity, but that's not really the goal. But we do recognize that what took place last week displays and touches on the heart and one of the values of God, which is the sacred nature of life itself. And it was recognized on a national level this past week, and that's a very big deal. So we rejoice in that. I do want to encourage you um, to not feel shame over this issue. If that's something that's personally touched your life, we serve a God who heals, who loves, who forgives, who saves, who redeems, who sets free. And I also want to encourage you, as we walk into the coming months and even coming years, and as more children come into this world, many coming into maybe a parental situation that was unexpected, we need to have compassion and care for those people. So I encourage you just to consider in the coming months ways that you can love and serve those who are going to be in need. It's a big, big deal. It's giving kids a chance for life, a chance for redemption, and we can walk that out with compassion. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Can we dive into the message? We've been in a Romans series. Now, this is kind of intense. The book of Romans is huge. Somebody just told me that at a church um, that they know of, it's like the church had been in a Romans series for it seemed like multiple years because the book of Romans is so in-depth. We've only been going at this in about a four-week series, which seems almost impossible. So what we've been trying to do is grab some of the core ideas from the book of Romans, the core principles that God's presenting, and grab onto them and get them deeper into our lives. So if you remember, Pastor Jana spoke the very first week of the series, and the first chunk of Romans, the theme really is the wrath of God. The second week of the series, Pastor Jana spoke on the grace of God. Last week, we heard from Pastor Nate, and that portion of Romans really has to do with the plan of God. Now today, can you say this one after me? We're focusing on the will of God. Say the will of God. That's what we're focusing on today. What is the will of God? And I want to focus on two important themes from the final chapters of Romans that 
have to do with the will of God. And these are so important, and they must have great importance in the lives of followers of Christ. The second theme I'm going to present builds upon the first, so I really want you to catch the very first theme, and then understand how the second builds upon it. Will you read with me from Romans 12, 1 and 2? That's where we're starting. This is going to be on the screen. You don't need to read this out loud with me. But Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what we hear. Therefore, is that going to be on the screen, maybe? Oh, it's not. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think it should be. Well, wait a second. Are those notes in there, Brandon? Oh, is it not there? Hey, hey, okay, there it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And Brandon, I think in there, if you go to the Romans 9 through 12 heading, my notes are actually in there. They should be in there. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Getting a little behind. Hey, look at that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is important. And it's the very first element of God's will that I want to focus on. It's that you and I are transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is a really interesting passage. You can see I highlighted or italicized certain words up here. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform, but be transformed. Now, what is the result of doing all these things? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think there's a lot of people, even well-intentioned, making very poor judgments on what the will of God is. And I'm talking about Christian people. And I would argue that we're making poor judgments, even though we have good intentions, because we have not first submitted ourselves to the scripture that we just read. If you want to know what God's will is for your personal life, for issues facing society, it's essential that you first offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the pattern of this world and then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you test and improve what God's will is. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we just think like, oh, the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. True. Access it by doing this. Use it by doing this first. Submit yourself unto God then you will know and be able to see what the will of God is for your life and on issues facing our world. So I challenge you, if you're a believer in this room and you make strong assertions about what God's saying to you, maybe personally or about certain issues or about what his will is, but you have not first submitted yourself in these ways, submit to him today. Submit to him today in these ways. This is important. So number one, the renewing of your mind. Again, I've got two primary focuses today all under the heading of the will of God. If you're taking notes, the first focus is the renewing of your mind. One of the ways our mind is renewed 
is really quite simple. Attention. Attention. Attention is so important. What you put your attention on drastically impacts your experience of God or your lack of experience of God. You can go from feeling hopeless, helpless, exhausted, overly tired, full of fear and anxiety, and then by putting your attention on Christ, you can go from that place to feeling overflowing with love, overcome with peace, overflowing with the life of Christ. This is a huge step in the renewing of your mind. I had an experience like this a couple weeks ago, and it was almost like a gentle, uh, it was like the father just kind of gently drawing me closer to himself. Do you ever go through life and you kind of feel like, I don't know if I'm like where I used to be with God. I just kind of feel like I've, I've just drifted. I don't feel close. In this moment, about a week and a half ago, my wife and I just had a sweet baby girl who's now just over a month old. And she's amazing. Nora is her name. And Nora is our alarm clock. And she's set earlier than I ever set my other alarm clocks. So about two weeks ago, the alarm clock goes off. And I decided I'm going to get up with the alarm clock today. So I'm holding the baby. I'm walking. I'm thinking like, God, boy, things change when you have a kid. Like 5.30 used to be like, no, 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 no. That's reserved for sleep. That's like definitely still sleep time. Not anymore, people. But something cool happened because I'm holding my baby, just walking in the room. And she got to a calm enough place that I set her down on the bed. And I'm just watching her. I listened to some gospel music that morning, like some gospel music I'm talking about. And I'm dancing in the room. And then I'm like, I can do a little bit of my, my weights workout. So I do some of my workout. I'm like, boy, I'm an hour in. And I still got like probably two more hours of her taking a nap. So I just throw on some worship music. And God in his grace, not by what I felt was my own desire, but God in his grace, as I put my attention on him, overwhelmed me with his presence and his love in a way that I simply can't explain. There's an element of our relationship with God that is spirit to spirit. Do you know the Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And because of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ sent from the Father, your spirit can connect instantly with the Holy Spirit of God in a beautiful, overwhelming relationship of love. And this happened to me that morning, and I just really fell on my knees just weeping at the grace of God, thinking again, like, I don't really deserve this, God. I haven't done anything to experience you this morning, but you chose by your grace to meet me in this place. And it started with attention. Attention is so important when it comes to renewing our minds. Oh, man, I have this whole message kind of stirring in my heart that I'm not supposed to share this morning about the essential nature of you as a follower of Christ having experiences, spiritual experiences with God. Our relationship with Christ can't be reduced to um, intellect, to knowing what Jesus wants in our minds. That's a beautiful and huge part of our relationship. Our relationship with God can't be reduced to just doing good works for God. That's a beautiful element of our relationship. 
But your relationship with God, regardless of your personality type, regardless of if you think you're introverted, extroverted, highly emotional, highly intellectual, you have a spirit that God put in you that he wants to connect with so deeply in a way that will overcome you mentally, emotionally, and even at times physically. God so desires spirit-spirit relationship with you and me. Amen. Attention is so important in the renewing of our minds. Obviously, in the process of renewing, as, we, as we're putting our attention on God, that may be in a place of silent prayer. That may be in a place of digging into the scriptures. That may be in a place of exuberant praise and worship. It could look like so many different things, but placing our attention on God, I'm convinced, is the entry place into the renewing of the mind. And isn't it interesting? Is anyone else with me on this? Choosing to have your mind renewed wasn't a one-time salvation choice. I feel the temptation often to not renew my mind. And I have to choose consistently to allow the Holy Spirit to renew my mind. So I encourage you to make that choice consistently and maybe even make that choice again this morning. The unrenewed mind leads us further from Christ and into a place of death. Are you still awake? Leads us into a place of sin and leads us deeper into a place of bondage. I was thinking about this. Did you know that the devil hates you? Is that funny to say amen to? But like, he does. The devil actually hates you. But spoiler Christ in you is actually stronger than the evil one, so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. The devil doesn't just hate you because you're a good person or because, um, not even just because you're a Christian. The devil hates you because he hates Jesus so, so much. Do you realize Jesus is the one who, like, has already defeated him? So think about the devil. He's like, Anything he can do to come against the kingdom of God, which means coming against people like you, he's going to try to do. But you don't have to be afraid of that. But I do think one of the reasons the devil likes to keep you in sin isn't just so you feel bad, isn't just so you feel shame and you feel sad and you feel regret and remorse. I think it's actually even more so because he does not want to see you accomplish what God has called you to do instead of that sin. And I think this is one of the problems right now, even with the way that we, uh, we talk and think about sin. Like, sin is bad, let's not do it. Yes, but your life, when it's wrapped up in sin, cannot be fulfilling the good things that God's called you to do. You can't achieve your God-given purpose and destiny if you're not allowing your mind to be renewed. This is why it's so important that we renew our minds. Does anyone want to accomplish all that God has for you? Can you imagine what that would look like? It's possible. Through the Holy Spirit and the renewing of the mind, it's possible that we can accomplish everything God has called us to in this life. So let's be obedient to him, submit ourselves to him, and allow him to renew our minds. So that's number one. Underneath that heading of the will of God, the number one thing is the renewing of the mind. Can I give you the second and final thing? Second and final thing is two parts, holiness and unity. 
holiness and unity. If you're living a life of the renewed mind, it will lead you to a holiness lifestyle. Places and times where I step away from the renewed mind, I find myself not living in a holiness lifestyle. And to define holiness, holiness means set apart. And I would argue that it also means not just set apart from the world, but it means set apart unto God. Not just set apart from sin, but set apart for a purpose, the purpose of God. So this is holiness. If you are renewing your mind, it will lead to a lifestyle of holiness. I want to read this quote from an incredible theologian named N.T. Wright in his book, The New Testament in Its World. This is what N.T. Wright says. Unity and holiness both matter vitally. Either is comparatively easy without the other. The trick is to hold them together. Ooh. Unity and holiness both matter vitally. Either is comparatively easy without the other. The trick is to hold them together. Now I'm going to expand on this. In Leviticus 11... God gives the Israelites some instruction essentially to separate themselves from the world. But it seems that Paul, in this letter, is now focusing on the church coming together in holiness and unity, not even just on cultural separation, because you're supposed to be in the world now, just not of it. But he is still talking about walking in holiness and in unity as a body. Romans 15, five through seven. Let's throw that up on the screen. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. There's some key phrases in that scripture. You can go back to that first one. Thank you, Eric. Spirit of unity. I want to focus in on that. May God give you a spirit of unity among yourselves. Okay. Holiness and unity. This is not talking about accepting one another's sin because there's clear teaching on the necessity of helping each other out of sin in the scriptures. This passage is more so speaking to cultural differences between church members, as well as differences on certain practices of the faith. For example, an example Paul gives in the scripture is some of you, and honestly, some of you in this room, you take Sunday and you honor Sunday, the Sabbath, as a more holy day of the week. While others of you in this room view all seven days as the same, they're all gods, and you treat them with the same reverence. That's not a core doctrine that every single person in this room has to say, I stand on this, and we stand on this, and we see it the exact same way together. That's an issue that Paul is saying, even if there are small differences among how you practice and small cultural differences from backgrounds, let there be a spirit of unity accepting one another even as Christ has accepted you. I will say this too. Some of you have a really strong conviction um, maybe on what you'll watch or listen to. Others in this room, you don't share that conviction. You feel okay watching and listening to things that 
maybe the person sitting in the row behind you would never consider because in their spirit, they feel the Holy Spirit convicting them in that way. That's not okay for me to watch. Can we love each other and accept each other even though we have those differences? And not judge one another? Paul goes into talking about that. Stop passing judgment on one another. Keep your focus getting the gospel message of Christ out to those who've never heard it. That's where the importance is. I would say, if you're in here and you say, yeah, I don't know, I don't really have strong convictions on this or on this or on this or on this. I just kind of do what I feel like doing and I feel okay with it. I will challenge you and say, take inventory of your heart, make sure that you haven't ignored or grieved the Holy Spirit in the past, make sure that you haven't done that consistently that now you have a seared conscience where you don't even feel convicted for the things that you're intaking, the things that you're doing. Be mindful of that in your own heart to make sure that you really are working out the faith in fear and trembling like the Bible says. But let's love one another even accepting each other with differences. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So that's having a spirit of unity. If we go to the next slide, this is really cool. Are you still with me? As you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is speaking to, I believe, the fact that unity doesn't, uh, excuse me, that unity does mean that we all possess the same internal desire to know and become like Christ. So having a unity of heart, that does mean that we're stirring each other up, that you and you and you and you and me and you and you and you all have an internal desire, one heart that wants to know and become more like Christ. What does it say next? So that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mouth, I believe, is speaking to the importance of us having an agreeance on core doctrines of the faith, things that we can profess with our mouth, that we do all profess Christ and his teachings as they really are, not adjusting them to our individual preferences or sin tendencies or to the wisdom of this age. So Paul's not making an allowance for any type of theology. He's saying on some of these minor things, customs, different faith practices, accept one another, but on core doctrines, the things that you can profess with your mouth, let there be unity among you. This is important. This is so important. I'm going to go on this. I think in the church, what has snuck in at times, and I've had to look at my own life, is this idea that God is kind of a moral relativist, that he's actually kind of post-truth, that like, well, it's okay if, uh, if, if they see it like this, this hugely essential teaching that actually is laid out in scripture. But it's okay if they kind of see it this way because it feels right to them. Ooh, man, that's really intense. God is still a God of absolutes. He's not a post-truth God. He actually is the way, the life, and the truth. He is the truth. So I would encourage you, check even your own heart, your own life again. Lord, have I allowed this kind of postmodern, post-truth 
mentality into even my Christianity, where I kind of do bend it towards my sin tendencies. I sort of bend it to adjust for other people's lifestyles that maybe um, aren't Christ following, but hey, they say they're Christ followers. It's totally clear in scripture that what they're doing is not good, but they feel like it's okay. And I'm talking to myself, you guys, too, because did you know that your pastors are perfect? (laughs) We need God's grace every single day. We still deal with temptation. We still deal with tendencies. We still have to submit to God daily. And we should, in love, come together in agreement on things that we profess, core doctrines of who Jesus is and of what he's asked us to do. For us to not take seriously 2,000 years of church history and what the church has historically believed, as well as for me to not take seriously what the disciples and Paul the Apostle, those who are closest to Christ, say what Jesus taught. And for me to think, well, what I feel, I think is probably more, more what Christ thinks. That's a very dangerous place to be. You can trust the word of God. You can trust the teachings in the scripture. Hmm. Holiness isn't just, um, sometimes that word in church culture has been reduced to like uh, purity or sexual purity. And holiness isn't just sexual holiness or sexual purity, but that's a huge element of it. I want to encourage some people in this place. If you are struggling in your sexuality, maybe it is with, can I say this first? Sin is sin. God doesn't differentiate between different sins and say like, that's a lot worse. This one's not so bad. Porn's pretty bad. Um, homosexuality, that's, that's like way worse. No, no, no. Sin is sin. So if you're struggling in this place in sexual impurity, like I was in high school, even with um, my own sexuality and some sexual confusion of who I was in middle school and high school, I want to encourage you, submit yourself to God, trust him, walk in relationship, open up your life and your story, what you're going through with other believers. People care for you. Sometimes we feel like no one cares for me or understands And part of that reason might be because we haven't really allowed them to actually see what's going on inside of us. So don't be afraid to open up your life with someone. Get really real with each other. I encourage you, too, that you are not what you feel. You are not what you feel. You can receive wholeness and healing through Christ as you continue to walk with him and trust him. And I understand even some of the sexual confusion that's raging in our culture, that to be honest, 50 years ago, this was not the case. It's not like this is just normal, like, oh yeah, all humanity, this is kind of normal. But what's happening right now is not biblical Christianity. And I'll say that too. As a church, we stand on a traditional biblical view of sexuality. We understand that God, even from the beginning of time, intended for marriage to be one man and one woman. And we see that teaching again in the New Testament. Paul says, if you are burning with passion, it's better that you marry. 
then fall into sins and temptations consistently. So Paul and the Bible teaches very clearly what God's best is. So cling to Christ, trust him, help him. He will help you, excuse me. And I encourage you to, studying the ideas, the ideologies, and the teachings of the world on this stuff isn't going to help you. It's not. Working your hardest to try to understand yourself might not always help you the best, but trusting Christ, looking to him. Like I said, get in close relationship with people who love you and walk it out together. Even when I was in high school, I was a church kid and I dealt with some sexual confusion in kind of my, my middle school, high school years. And I know many others in the church. So I just encourage you to, like I said, the devil, he doesn't just hate non-believers. He hates everyone. And it's not like all the issues and the things people are going through are like somewhere out there in the world. There are people in this room who are dealing with some really heavy stuff and it eats you up inside. But Christ is for you. He's enough for you. Trust him. Continue to walk with him. He's enough for you. And just know that your pastor is myself. We're happy to walk with you. There are people in this room who truly love you. Okay. Finally, and I'm going to close here. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Just as Christ accepted you. And how did Christ accept you? While you were a mess. So in this room, can you accept those around you who are doing their best to follow Christ, even though you might still feel like a mess? Can we have that same heart? Just as Christ accepted me in my imperfection, I'm going to go outside of myself and accept and love those in the body around me. There's a younger generation now whose motto is basically love, acceptance, and unity, yet fails to acknowledge that God, the God of love, is also the God of holiness. But I would argue that those who are older, Christians, kind of have more the heart of holiness, but don't understand. They sort of look at a younger generation and just see how awful, how bad, how sinful, which I think is kind of prideful. Even if it's out of a heart of holiness, we have to recognize if we're going to reach people, even younger people, we have to meet them. We can't stay separate from one another in the body of Christ. We've got to meet each other and love each other. Holiness and unity, they can be held together. And that's my encouragement for us. Let's learn how to hold those together, accepting one another just as Christ accepted you. We need holiness and unity. Would you stand with me? We're just going to close. I recognize I said a lot this morning. And I said a lot about a lot of different things. And I also recognize some of what I'm talking about. It's impossible to have a full conversation about in the limited time that we have. 
But I just pray that you would leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and with a greater desire to know him, to walk in holiness, to walk in unity, and to have your mind renewed. So let's just pray. If you just want to close your eyes or just look to the Father. Oh, God, thank you. Father, we just thank you. You are love, God. You are light. You are truth. You are the way. And Lord, we honor you today. Father, I thank you that it's when we accept who you are, we accept what you've spoken. When we acknowledge our brokenness and don't try to hide it like they did in the garden, don't try to cover it up or pretend it's not really broken. I thank you, Lord, that it's in that place that you meet us, you can heal us, you can begin to transform us, you can begin to renew our minds. And Jesus, I pray that this has been heard with compassion today and with love. I thank you that the truth sets us free and we want the truth, Lord. And Father, I just pray for a grace right now of your Holy Spirit just to sneak into each heart in this place. Overcome our minds in this place. Meet each of us exactly where we are this morning. Can you thank Jesus real quick that he accepted you the way that you were so that he could transform you into who you will be? Jesus, we thank you for accepting us, God, for loving us. You are the God of love. You are so good to us, Jesus. Help us to love and accept one another in the same way that you've done, Lord walking in truth, righteousness, holiness, as well as unity, compassion, love, and acceptance, Father. We honor you today. I pray a great grace upon each of our lives this week, Lord, that you would walk with us through life in the various things that we do, the things we need to do, the relationships that we have, and just draw us to you, Jesus. We love you in Jesus' name. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com.